Hey mamas, we are back with another episode and we're really excited because it's Danielle here today with the pleasure of chatting with the queen of pivoting, Wendy Sachs. Wendy, hello. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, we're so excited. Um, for those of you that might not be aware, when Wendy is an Emmy Award winning producer, former Capitol Hill press secretary, editor-in-chief of care.com, media relations executive, and now the author of Fearless and Free, How Smart Women Pivot and Relaunch Their Careers. If that's not a mouthful of awesome, I don't know what is. Thank you. So, Wendy, we like to really get to know the women that we're interviewing here, more so just like at their essence and at their core. So if you can give us a brief introduction of who Wendy is um, outside of being the mother? Sure. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say that I have pivoted so much that I'm practically pirouetting at this point. And, you know, I've worn so many different hats and I've done so many different things. And it's been such a journey, really, that, um, you know, as a writer, I feel like I write about, as so many women do and so many people do, you write about what you know. And I've written about motherhood and I've written about women's issues and obviously all this career stuff. And in my case, I really write about what I need to know. So I think at my essence, it's, you know, I'm always on a quest. I'm always trying to figure things out. And certainly between motherhood and career, that's really defined my past decade or so um, because I am a mom and because I've always wanted to have a big career. So, so much of what I've done and what I've, you know, focused on over the past 10 years or so is really figuring out the best way to make these things happen for moms. And, you know, how, how do, how can we be big in our career? How do we figure out, particularly as, Digital is disrupting the workforce, and there are so many different things that you know happening right now. It's it's a very interesting time. That's spot on. I'm curious though, when we think about Wendy, the mother now, and 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 the author, and and kind of just this this champion of of womanhood and motherhood. What would you say were some of the key moments of personal change um, when she became a mother? Well, certainly everything changes when you become a mom. And I actually wrote a book about a dozen years ago called How She Really Does It, Secrets of Successful Stay-at-Work Moms. And that book, similar to you know, Fearless and Free, really came out of a personal need to figure out how I was going to be doing something, how I was going to be able to be a really present and engaged mom and have a big career. And at that point, I had left my job at NBC. I had gone to work at a startup because that was the thing to do. And I wanted to get some dot-com experience, is what everyone called it back then. And 9-11 happened. And I was living in New York City. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I want to be covering this story. It's the biggest story of our generation. I should be down at ground zero. Instead, I was on the Upper West Side, and I was breastfeeding. I'm my four-month-old yeah. son. And I really struggled with how I was going to be able to balance that big career in a family. And that's what led me to how she really does it. So I think that for me, it's always, you know, being a mom has really certainly changed my priorities, certainly put things into focus at the same time. And um, the workforce is not so accommodating to mothers. Even in the past, you know, dozen years since I first started writing about it, you know, not much has truly changed. I think awareness has changed. And I think millennials entering the workforce or they're 
they've been in the workforce for, for several years, but millennials becoming mothers now have forced a change. And companies are really rethinking their policies and they are trying to bring back female talent because they've been bleeding female talent for the past decade. Um, so all of these things are happening right now, which I think is is very positive. And I think also what's different is that there's a true sisterhood now that I'm recognizing that just did not exist when I was coming up through the ranks. And I and I and I really credit millennials for really shaping the new feminism movement, the new sisterhood of women supporting women and having us really work together. It's creating a lot more power. One of the things that I, I loved about reading Fearless and Free and having read uh, a number of your other pieces, you know, it, it's because I am in this space of being a very work-focused for- in the individual and then kind of like motherhood kind of following upon me and all of those emotions. And I I always am curious about how powerful women moved through those moments of conflict. And I'd, I'd be curious if, can you reflect back on, on that moment in 9-11, you're breastfeeding, um, you know you want to be on the ground. Can you speak to what those emotions were? Because that's, just to be very transparent, that's kind of where I am. There's no particular um, major event, but I am a new mom. I am... I still have passions and things I'm interested in. And that terror and that tension is real for me. So I just wonder if you could speak to those emotions, if you remember them. Sure, of course. I could I could tap back into them quite easily. You know, I don't think the expression was around yet, that FOMO, that fear of missing out, which yeah. is, of course, an expression today um, in a Facebook world, which didn't exist then. But yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. I felt as if... You know, everyone was moving ahead of me. I had my kids fairly young by certainly by New York City standards. And it just felt like the the clock was ticking, not my biological clock, but that that the, the career clock really. I was sort of right in the middle. I was right at that place where I should really be jumping ahead. And instead it felt like I was taking five steps backwards by having a child. And I really was quite concerned that I was going to miss out on having the big career because I was I felt like I was having to take a pause. Um, so there was anxiety. I was definitely I was feeling very, very anxious about all of that. And then at the same time, I felt that guilt of not wanting to really leave my child and hop back on airplanes and be you know flying around the country for NBC News like I had been doing pre having my kids. So that's the that's the conundrum that I think a lot of women face um, when they have children. Mm. Again, you speak to a lot of kind of like the steps of of working through those feelings and really kind of getting into a position where the the idea of changing careers, reconnecting with your career, or just owning your space of motherhood in fearless and free. So I'd be curious, because one of the things that you say early on in the book is that pivoting is not inherently feminine. You know, that that women aren't usually the ones who pivot. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Sure. You know, I think that it comes down to, well, there's a couple of things that are going on here. One is confidence and that's connected. That's a, that's a, a cousin to risk taking. 
right? So we need to have the confidence to be able to take the risk. And what studies really show are that, you know, men, this is a study that's often cited, that men will apply for a job if they meet if they meet 60% of the qualifications, whereas women need to meet 100% of the qualifications to apply for that job or to raise their hand for the promotion or to take a, a step forward. And it's our need to be perfect. And I think this also is what we see in mother motherhood, right? I mean, it's part of the culture of perfect mothers. Right. And the message that we're sent. That's the message, right? What a perfect mother does, what a good mother does. And that perfect or good mother is not sacrificing her child for her career. I mean, she's really putting her kids always first. And that's the cultural messages that have been handed down for generations now, which really create a lot of anxiety, I think, and a lot of guilt for women. So, I, you know, so first there's that, that sense of self, that sense of confidence. Um, are we feeling good enough inside to take a step forward? How are, you know, how comfortable are we with ourselves? And then the other piece of that is that ability to take risks. And when I say that risk-taking is not inherently feminine, or female, and that men are more likely to take risks than women because that is truly what studies show. We, we want to be perfect. We don't want to make a mistake. We want to play the good girl. And risk-taking means you might fail. And we don't want to fail. We don't want to fail as mothers. We don't want to fail in our career. We want to get it right. And that is exactly what can hold us back when it comes to taking steps, when it comes to pivoting and changing things up for ourselves. We want to play it safe because it feels more comfortable. And we, if we feel like what we're doing is, is good and we're sort of good enough in that role, we might not be willing to take that risk. And sadly, that's what can hold so many women back. And also those noises in our head, those voices that can create the paralysis that we overthink our next move. We're thinking and thinking and thinking. We want to make it perfect and want to get it straight. You throw a child into the equation and you really might be feeling really paralyzed because you don't want to take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, because and, and I, the thing that comes to mind immediately is that mothers are actually the, the ultimate risk takers because you're you're bringing I mean, and parents, I should say, and you're, but but we're speaking to mothers as an audience here. You're welcoming this person that you have no idea you've never met and, and you essentially guide it through the first 18 years of life and hope that you've gotten it right. That's right. It is a big leap of faith. And I think women are bold and we are strong and we are courageous, but we also just want to make sure that we're not going to fail. And so obviously, as you know, look, parenting is very different thing, different than, you know, mothering your own career, right? I mean, right. It, it is truly different. You will always make sure that your child is safe. You will do everything in your power to make sure that your child is healthy and strong and educated. We take care of our children before we take care of ourselves. I mean, we know that, right? I mean, we, that, that is the fact. So we will, we, will, we will go to extremes to make sure our child is okay, our family is okay. But when it comes to ourselves, we may not be as nurturing to ourselves. We may not be as forgiving to ourselves. And so I think there's a real dichotomy there. Mm. You know, one of the other uh, points, I mean, there were, there were loads of solid points in, in your book, but another one that hit me was this engineering serendipity. Yes. And 
you know, I find myself in a world that you you described as well. One that I almost, you know, if I'm going to be quite frank, um, resented initially. You're in this world of 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 mommies, this and snotty noses, and that's just not the world that I was in before. So I wonder, can you can you share with our listeners a little bit bit how you envision moms engineering this this serendipity of of opportunity? Sure. Well, you know, I think that most of us think of serendipity as that happy accident, right? It's just like, oh, good fortune. You know, you know, great things can happen for lucky people. That it's luck. When actually, when I started digging into the research and looking at looking at serendipity, um, it can actually be really created. It can be engineered. And Silicon Valley and the startup world are masters at engineering serendipity. In fact, it's one of the real themes that happen at startup companies and in creative agencies where they create the circumstances for great things to happen, for great collisions, creative collisions to appear and cool things to be created. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, how do we actually do that for ourselves and for our own careers? And part of that is laying that foundation, doing some of the homework, doing some of the work. The other piece of that is networking. Another piece is visibility and creating opportunity and then being able to seize the moment. And I know I'm speaking in very general terms. And in my book, I actually walk through certain people's specific experiences to show how they actually engineered this opportunity for themselves. But for moms, you know, one of the issues that I write about, because this book is very much a personal journey of my own experiences. And in fact, as I was writing the book, I was even going through the motions and very much living the themes of this book. So networking. First of all, so many women, we hate that term networking. That word itself seems very aggressive almost, very, um, you know, super sort of contrived, right? Right. I'd actually rather use the term connecting. Um, Connecting is a much more feminine word, first of all. And women are great at connecting. We are really, really intuitive connectors. We bond with other women instantly. I mean, it could be over talking about your baby. It could be talking about nursing. It could be talking about your sore nipples. I mean, it could be talking about your shoes. (laughs) That's how women connect. And so when we go to events, these quote unquote networking events, um, a lot of women and myself included, I never thought of myself as a good networker. But what I've really learned is to be very strategic when I walk into the room. Who am I trying to meet with? Who do I want to connect with? Who do I want to form a relationship with? Who do I think that maybe I have something to offer them and I should present that to them? Maybe, so it's a little bit of swapping eggs for milk of, you know, what you're going to sort of give and get in these situations. But I think if we reframe it in our minds as making connections, making personal relationships that, yes, could hopefully propel our careers forward, if we reframe it that way, I think it becomes a lot more palatable for so many women. And for moms, the truth is, you know, look, when my kids were little, you know, I live in New Jersey, all the work events are in New York City. The last thing I wanted to be doing was staying after work you know, missing my kids' bedtime, missing, you know, a late train back home. I mean, all of that just seemed like such an incredible hassle. And I wasn't putting events, networking events on my calendar. I just, you know, it it just seemed too stressful. I wasn't sure if it was really worth it. I mean, I sort of knew it was worth it, but I, you know, how valuable is it? I would weigh those things in my mind. And for many years, I was really off the radar. And I realized that the people who are really progressing in their careers and making creating 
serendipitous opportunities for themselves were the ones who were out there. They were working it. And it takes work. It does take effort. So for the moms out there, I really recommend, you know, schedule something on your calendar. Maybe it's just once a month or maybe it's every six weeks. But make sure you're keeping your networks alive. They truly are vital. They are everything to your career success and for your future. And even if you drop off the radar a little bit or you take yourself out of the workforce for a time being, it's more important than ever to just maintain those networks, even if you're not working. Do you, would you have said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to phrase it because I think one of my fears is, is it worth it? Um, because you know, the, again, messages you hear and, and emotions you have are children are only this small, whatever age it is for that very specific amount of time and you really want to treasure it. Um, did you ever feel that? And if so, how did you kind of work yourself out of, out of that frame of mind? Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like that's the constant tug. I mean, even today, my kids are a little older now. They're in middle school and in high school. And still, now I really feel the clock ticking. You know, it's, you have only, you know, it goes by so quickly. The first five years, I feel like go by pretty slowly. And then once they start school, I mean, it's just, it's like in the blink of an eye. I'm such a cliche and everyone tells you this and you say, yeah, 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 but not, you know, but I'm not sleeping. So you can't even imagine what that's like. So I do think it's a constant tug, but you need to keep yourself out there. You need to keep something for you. You also just don't know financially what's going to happen. What I really saw you know, and I write about in the book too, was there was a financial collapse in 2008, 2009. And people lost their jobs. And, you know, if you had, if you were married and your partner worked in finance, there was a very good job. He lost his job. And friends of mine needed to quickly reenter the workforce. And the ones who were most successful were the ones who had kept their networks alive. The ones who had done volunteer work, but in a strategic capacity and were able to segue that volunteer work into marketable skills when they were interviewing. So you need to keep your eyes wide open. And, you know, while obviously we all want to embrace that time with our children and it does go by quickly, keeping a side hustle or keeping something happening for yourself on the side, I truly recommend as the best strategy to protect yourself. It's your own insurance policy. Mm, good, good advice. Good advice. I'd be curious, you know, when we're talking about failing fast in the tech world, um, it, it's a term people use. I, you know, I hear it all the time with, with my, with my friends in, in Silicon Valley. And I'm just curious, what, what would your, what are your thoughts on failing fast in parenting? <laughs> I think every day could be like an epic fail. <laughs> there are moments constantly. Um, my my sister was telling me that my niece, you know, wants to wear, you know, big girl underwear and she's like, you know, but having accidents and peeing, is that a fail? I mean, perhaps, you know, is she really ready for her underwear? You know, not quite sure about that, but she's certainly really excited to wear them. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that moms second guess themselves all the time and depending on what stage of, of mothering and parenting you're in, you know, particularly the newborn stage, you may be wondering, you know, if anything that you're doing is actually the right thing to be doing. So, yeah, I think, you know, when you failing fast in parenting is taking the cues, you know, seeing what's happened, happening, um, and, you know, and iterating, right? If it's not working, figure it out. If your kid is tantruming all the time and you're yelling at them and they're not responding, 
probably not the right way to handle that tantrum. You know, I think we're always picking up cues from our kids and trying to figure out what's going to work. And I think we also just need to be really you know, gentle on ourselves and not make ourselves feel terrible if we're making mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. We need to cut ourselves a lot of slack. Mm, wise words from Wendy Sachs, ladies. Um, so here's a, here's something that is also valuable to our listeners is, you know, asking for help and getting that support team in place is something that Kate and I constantly work on. And, and we know our listeners do as well. What does your village look like that allows you to kind of build your successful realm? Well, I've always had to have babysitters. I mean, currently I don't have them anymore. Now my babysitter is Uber. They're of the age and Uber came at the moment that I needed it most. Um, you know, I don't have family that lives nearby. So I always relied on um, college babysitters at for a while, we had live-in nannies um, because I was hopping on a train at 7.30 in the morning, and my husband also was hopping on a train at 7.30 in the morning. Um, we've had a whole bunch of different situations of different child care. But another network are my female friends and professional networks, with which I absolutely you know, rely on, lean into, because they are the ones who give me the support career-wise and professionally. And, you know, when I was just circling back to what I said earlier was I really feel like the sisterhood of women is really, um, it's quite powerful. And while we've always had our village and women have always had their own, you know, tribal village and took care of each other, we're seeing in a, in, a, in another type of way these days, career-wise, I think there are more women at the top and we're really concerned about lifting women up with us. And, and that's part of the network. That's a village that I absolutely lean into and rely on. And because it sounds like while a village of sisterhood is great, it should also support uh, some downtime. So I'm curious, what, what do you do for your own levels of self-care? I'm a big fan of Soul Cycle. I run, I, I go to some exercise classes. Um, I do need to work out. You know, I'm not one of those women who works out five days a week. If I'm lucky, it's once, maybe twice a week. Uh, but it is a huge release for me. I, I mean, to me, it's just, it's complete pleasure. The endorphin rush. I do believe in taking care of yourself. I mean, you know, to me, it's everything. And sleep. I need sleep. I'm not a great sleeper, but when I sleep well, I'm really happy. <laughs> I, I have a two-year-old and a nine-month-old, so I will see sleep in the future. You also mentioned you talked a lot about um, meditation in in Fearless and Free. Curious if that's something that you've also um, prescribed to. That's so funny. One of my stories is Susie Yaloff Schwartz, who was the um, editor at large at Glamour Magazine for many, many years, and her big pivot was opening the Unplugged Meditation Studio in Los Angeles, which has become very trendy. Meditation is like all the rage right now. So it's funny you ask, is that part of my routine? You know, I feel like I have meditation envy. I wish <laughs> I could actually get to a meditation studio. I know that they are in New York City. And I really, you know, over the last summer, I thought I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to go and I still haven't gone. And I sort of truly fantasize about it because it seems like an amazing, an amazing thing to be able to do. Well, it'll, we'll, we'll say it's on your to-do list. It absolutely is. You know, I, I do try to practice some of that breathing, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely on my to-do list. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, I mean, this was definitely amazing. It's a little rapid fire, um, but we wanted to get as much out of you as possible, Wendy, and we're hoping that we can get you back on to dig a little bit deeper on some of these topics. Um, but I think what would be really cool for the listeners is to for you to share um, where they can find out more about your book and other ways they can learn about you, Wendy. Absolutely. Um, you can find me at wendysacks.com. You can find my book in every bookstore now, hopefully. Um, also on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's it's definitely widely available. You can find me on Twitter at WSACS, S-A-C-H-S, or on Instagram. I think I'm also WSACS. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. Excellent. So basically, everyone that's listening needs to go out and Google Wendy Sachs and find her somewhere because she's everywhere. She's everywhere. And she's on Go Ahead Mama. And we're hoping to have you back, Wendy. Thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'll talk with you soon. Okay, great. Thank you. Hey mamas, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of the conversation with Wendy. Wendy, again, thank you so much for being on the show. As always, we want to hear your feedback. We want to know what we're doing right, but we definitely want to know what we can improve on. So please send us an email with suggestions for guests, suggestions for topics. We want to hear what you want to talk about. You can always email us at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. And you can definitely give us a like on Facebook at Go Ahead Mama. So please, if you like the show, don't forget to give us an iTunes five-star rating. If you don't, send us an email and tell us what we can be doing better. As always, thank you so much to our producers, The Mediocre Parent Show. You guys rock. Thank you so much. And we want you to remember that parenting is tough. Being a mom is tough. And no one's got it down pat. We're just here to help you guys get along a little bit better. So until next time, mamas, be awesome. Be awesome.